Tuba. And um, the month of Tuba is still speaking to us about the incarnation as we celebrated it on the 29th of Kiak last month. <clears throat> the gospel today is the gospel of the man born blind, which you will recognize as also one of the uh, gospels that we read during the Holy Lent. In um, the month of Tuba, as we said, it relates to the, the feast of the incarnation of the nativity. And then when we read it again during Lent, it's the, actually the last Sunday of Lent before Palm Sunday. We call it Baptism Sunday because the healing of the blind man washing in the pool of Siloam um, represents baptism, which is the Feast of Enlightenment. So we have today the, the light that comes into the darkness through the Incarnation, and then we have it again in uh, the Holy Lent through the imagery of the baptism, which is the Feast of Enlightenment for all of us, where we receive the, the, the likeness and the death and resurrection of Christ, and we begin to live according to divine grace, which enlightens us. Um, just before the, the miracle took place this morning in the eighth chapter of St. John, the Lord said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, the light of life. And at the beginning of the ninth chapter in the gospel, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So he speaks of himself as the light of the world, and then he opens the eyes of one who is in darkness to prove that he is the light of the world. And this is in fulfillment, of course, of one of the prophecies that's related to the Incarnation, which is in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen what a great light. Those who dwell in the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So what is the darkness? The darkness is many things. There is the darkness of sin. There is the darkness of death. There is the darkness of ignorance and disbelief. There is the darkness of loneliness and alienation. There is the darkness of confusion, suffering, pain. All of these are darkness for, for, human, for humanity. And Christ is the light that shines in the darkness of all of these ways that the darkness impacts us. And we see that in the story today that the man had his eyes opened, and yet the story is still surrounded by darkness. He is alienated from the synagogue. He's rejected by his parents. If, if nobody's happy except perhaps he who had his eyes opened. And so the darkness commingles with the light. The light shines from within the darkness, but the, but the darkness remains in this man's life and in our life as well. And this is maybe represented in the, um, the spittle, the, the spit that Christ, you know, spat on the ground and, and mixed his spittle with the, clay, with, the, with the dirt of the ground to make like a clay that he anointed the eyes of the blind man. This is, in a sense, a symbol of his union with us. He unites himself with us. He unites his lightness to our darkness. He enters into our darkness in a very intimate way, in a way that's sort of a mystery. How do, how do these two coexist? But we know that unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, the, um, the life of, of complete light is reserved for the kingdom of God. In this world, we still live in the darkness with the light shining, but it is only when the inauguration of the kingdom comes 
that there will be no more darkness. The darkness will be completely banished. That's why the scripture says that the last enemy will be the enemy of death. So there's this tension, there's this commixture, this commingling of darkness and light that we live with. And uh, Father Henry Nouwen, he has this uh, beautiful quote about this commingling of darkness and light, sadness and joy in our lives. He says, our life is a time in which sadness and joy kiss each other at every moment. It seems that there is no such thing as a clear-cut, pure joy, but that even in the most happy moments of our existence, we sense a tinge of sadness. In every satisfaction, there is an awareness of limitations. Behind every smile, there is a tear. In every embrace, there is loneliness. In every friendship, distance. And in all forms of light, there is the knowledge of surrounding darkness. But this intimate experience in which every bit of the life is touched by a bit of death, can point us beyond the limits of our existence by making us look forward or perhaps look up in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with perfect joy, a joy that no one will be able to take away from us. And this is the cross and the resurrection. The two exist in a beautiful marriage, or in the words of Father Henry Nouwen, a kiss, the kiss of sadness and joy, or, or death and resurrection, or light and darkness. And this reality of living um, in this shadow of death, or in this uh, valley of tears, which is our sojourn in this world, is this preparation for those moments in which the light shines, for those times in which sort of the surprise of God breaks through into our life. It could be for a period of time, it could be individual moments throughout the day in which we are surrounded by that tinge of darkness, whether, whether it's through our sins or sadness or loneliness or whatever it is. And then there's those moments when God sort of surprises us with the light. And that's the life of faith. The life of faith is to live in anticipation that that light that, would, that is within us and that is around us will break through, and it will break through when we lift up our hearts and our minds to God through faith, hope, and love. So this is the foundation of faith, to, to, to be an expectation of the light which shines in the darkness. And we don't understand how this light shines through any more than we understand today how a man who was born blind, his eyes are opened, or how the dead are raised. It's, it's not something we can logically comprehend. It's the work of God. It's something that God does in his own beautiful way, which is a mystery. It's these decisive moments where God enters into our life in a very powerful way to shine his light in our darkness. One of the contemporary saints of our church, his name is Abuna Meteus Suriani. A lot of people know about Abuna Feltus Suriani. But also around the same time that Abu Nafel Toos lived, he reposed just a few years before him, was another great contemporary elder whose name was Abu Nemeteus Suriani. And he wrote something very beautiful about this surprise. He says now, he's talking about the uh, two disciples on the road to Emmaus, you know, when Christ joins them and they don't recognize him. So the, the, maybe I should read the quote. He says in the Gospel of St. Luke, now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, 
but they were kept from recognizing him when Christ joined. They, they couldn't recognize him. They were, in a sense, still in the darkness. The light of Christ hadn't shined within them. And it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. So that moment of surprise when the light shines in the darkness. So Father Matthäus, he says, sometimes it might appear to one who walks in the path of the Lord that he is walking in complete darkness. He wants to see any spiritual vision or yearns to hear the voice of God to be consoled and to be encouraged to endure his pains and sufferings. But he walks as if he's in the dark. He does not realize that the Lord is very close to him, just as the two disciples didn't recognize that it was Christ walking with them. He does not realize that the Lord is very close to him. However, he hides himself, that is, the Lord hides himself for a good purpose. And then suddenly he realizes the presence of God only when God allows it. Therefore, it is not out of our own personal effort that we feel the Lord, but rather it is the work of grace in the right time according to his own goodwill. So this, this experience of, of, of the work of grace in our life, which surprises us by the moments of, of, of God breaking through with his light into our darkness. And this then begins to form what we might call a spiritual consciousness. That is that we begin to live from the heart, not from the mind, not from the reasoning faculty, but from the heart. We begin to see things differently. We begin to understand things differently. We begin to look at things differently. The ears hear things differently. The eyes see things differently. Our minds begin to think differently when our heart is renewed by the light of Christ. And um, there's also, uh, yesterday was the, was the saint of another great contemporary saint in our church. His name is Amba uh, Makarios of Inna. I don't know if any of you have heard of him. If you don't, you can stop by my office and I'll show you his picture in my office. And there are now even some books in English written about him with his biography and some of his miracles. Perhaps you know him by the one who was videotaped, who, who, um, who knew the day of his death and was praying the divine liturgy. And at the very end of the divine liturgy, as he's holding the body of Christ, he, he fell asleep in the Lord. He died. And he fell backwards as he's holding the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is returned to the Patton by the hand of an angel. And you can see it on the videotape. Yes, you can find it on YouTube. He was, of course, known for this incident because it was videotaped, but he is a great saint in many other aspects. He was a, he was a great um, bishop at the time of Pope Carolus VI and also a deep man of prayer and a wonder worker in, in his own right um, with the gifts that he had of healing others and so on. But there's one of the stories that's sort of a, a metaphor for this theme of light and darkness, which I'll share with you since it was his feast yesterday. And uh, we need his prayers for, for somebody who's going through a very difficult time right now. So I told him I would honor him by the, speaking about him today if he prayed for this person. Um, uh, a lady by the name of, um, I think her name was uh, Nadia, or Nala, I think Nadia. She worked in an orphanage, which was right next to the Motroneya, which is the bishopric uh, in Inna, where Amba Macarius prayed, and where he lived, his cell was upstairs in the church. And uh, there was a very short distance between the orphanage and the, and the church. So Nadia was, um, was up at four in the morning cooking because they were expecting visitors that day at the orphanage. And um, 
And she could see that in the distance at the church, there was this very bright light coming from the church. It was an intense light. So she climbed up a ladder, and, and she could see there was this intense light coming from the church, but she tried to listen, thinking, okay, maybe there's some sort of service going on that nobody knew about, and she couldn't hear anything. But she said the light was an unusual light. Anyways, she, the next morning she was visiting Emma Macarius, and he told her, next time you climb a ladder, you will fall down and hurt yourself. He said, isn't it enough that you took the blessing of the light? You don't need to hear anything. He could not possibly have seen her, what she did. Um, but the point is, and why I mentioned this story out of the many hundreds and thousands of stories of his miracles, is that it's sort of, again, like a metaphor of, of, of what we're talking about. The light of Christ is the light of the saints, is the light of each one of us when Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine that men may see your what? Your good works and what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. The light. And so the, the, the saints live in the light. What, the, what this woman, Nedja, saw was, was sort of what the disciples saw on, on, on Mount Tabor. The light is there. Their eyes just happen to be open for a moment to see the light of Christ. The light is within you and me by virtue of our baptism and by virtue of our taking the Holy Communion and by our life of prayer and intimacy with the Lord. The light is there. And there are moments where, where God will allow that light to be experienced and to, to shine for other people. So, um, I want to read a very beautiful poem about, um, actually, let me, one other uh, nice analogy that uh, one of the spiritual fathers gave about this image of um, how life comes out of death, how light comes out of darkness. He said, um, there are images in front of us that give us the, the truth of this experience of darkness coming out of, or light coming out of darkness and death coming out of, life coming out of death, but we don't even recognize it in nature. He said, imagine someone, imagine someone who was, as an adult, a very intelligent person, a smart person, has never experienced um, spring, and he only experiences the signs of autumn or fall. And he sees the leaves falling from the trees, he sees the, the plants withering, he sees the flowers dying. And he has no experience of spring. All he sees is death, decay, deterioration. And if you were to tell him that all of these things that are dying in front of his eyes would one day come to life, he would think you're crazy. He would think you're, 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 you're speaking rubbish. And yet that's what happens every, every year in front of us. And this is the same way that God acts in our lives. Seems like death is surrounding us. It seems like the darkness is overcoming us. And yet the spring is there. And life comes again. And the light shines in the darkness. But again, what's, it's, it's not something successive. It's not sequential. It's not that we go through darkness and then we enter into the light. That's for the kingdom. But in this life, somehow, again, there's this kiss between the two. And there's this beautiful uh, spiritual father who, who said this in a sort of poetic, in, in like a poem. I'll read it to you. It's very touching. He says, I'm living in fire. Fire I feel, I feel within me. 
but I feel a cold and ice such as I have never felt before. I live set within the all, capital A, that is God. I live set within the all. I feel that the all is within me. At the same time, a nothingness, a nothingness such as I have never felt before. I feel myself within plentitude. I feel that it is filling me. Nevertheless, I feel a void such as I have never felt before. I feel myself within God. God, I feel within myself. And from him I feel far, as I have never felt before. I feel myself within sanctity and holiness. His sanctity is within me. And I see myself more guilty, more more guilty than I ever felt before. I feel darkness and light, pain and joy at once, peace and war, death and life, felicity and torment. And when I seek the better to express either my joy or my pain, the best I succeed in doing is to forget myself and be silent. The best I can do in this mystery of what he expressed beautifully in this poem is to remain silent. And yet at the same time, we can speak of this asceticism of virtue, of growing in virtue, especially the virtues of faith, hope, and love, which help us to mitigate being driven and and overcome by our emotional states. If again the light is within us, if again life is within us, if again joy is within us, it means that we can live at the level of the virtues in which we can begin to not be ruled by or be tossed like a boat in a storm by our emotions, but to have more stability through the life of virtue to live in faith and hope and love of the light, the life, and the joy. And it it needs us, again, to penetrate what seems obvious to us. One of the spiritual fathers, he said, "In in the cross, the apostles fled. They couldn't look at the disfigured Christ. They couldn't, they couldn't accept that the Christ on the cross was the one who raised the dead, the one who fed the multitude. They couldn't bear to follow him to the cross. But, but the one who could look at him and recognize him as her God and her son was the Virgin Mary. And she was able, through all of this, the disfigurement and through all the ugliness of the cross and through all the brutality that was that was forced upon his body, she could recognize who he was. And this is faith. Faith is for us, is to be able to recognize through all that disfigures God in the world, for all that hides God in the world, for everything that blinds us to God in the world, faith penetrates past that veil. As if to look at the divine son, the glorified son behind the disfigured son. And so Christ himself wants us to live at this level of virtue, of faith, hope, and love. And he, he often chastised his disciples for living at the level of the emotions and being tossed by our emotional states. In the, in the, and I'll end with this, uh, this story. The, um, the disciples, when they were in the storm and Christ was asleep in the boat, you know the story very well. The boat is being tossed within the storm and the disciples awaken the Lord very um, anxiously. And, um, and they said, Lord, save us. 
We are perishing. Do you not care that we are perishing? And then he said to them, why are you fearful? Why are you governed by fear, O ye of little faith? He says there's a connection. It doesn't mean that we're never going to be afraid. It doesn't mean that we're, that, you know, we just sort of put on some macho, you know, pretentious uh, attitude. But it means that faith will mitigate being a victim of a life of fear. It means that hope and love will make us rulers over our emotional states that will just drown us in despair and sadness and, and fear and anxiety. They will exist, as we said, they coexist, but we can have a part in opening up within the heart that life of faith, hope, and love, which will allow the light to shine, which will allow the joy to come, which will allow the peace to reign in our hearts and in our minds. May our Lord Jesus Christ, who opened the eyes of the blind man and gave him the enlightenment of seeing him as the the one true God, give us that enlightenment and that joy, even though, like the blind man, we will remain in this valley of tears and in the shadow of death. And to him be all glory now and ever into the ages of all ages. Amen. Blessed 